I'm Floss and I'm so fucking glad that you're joining me today for another episode of Exactly Podcast. If you're new here and you're listening for the first time, Exactly Podcast is basically the space where I give a permission slip to my audience and to myself to follow my curiosity. Like I do with all of my work, I love bringing women, queer people, anyone together, anyone with the purpose of being curious and opening our minds to new ideas and just talking about the human experience. I love talking about relationships, people, dating, ideas, spirituality, things that I have also no fucking clue on. That's why I invite my guests on. They're all experts in their own fields, uh, whether through experience or through studying. They're all so incredible and I've learned so much from all of them. Every month on the podcast, I'm hosting a listener call-in where myself and an expert will be answering your questions, queries, and dilemmas. In the last call-in, we covered body image and queerness will be the next one. Please do send in your suggestions for topics that you would like me to cover in the future. I always love hearing from you. So today's guest, Gabby Abrao, known as Sai Swoon on social media, is an artist, writer and digital creator that was born and raised in West Los Angeles. She has one of the most incredible Instagram accounts. I'm probably going to be gushing over her the entire episode. I followed her on social media for a while. We followed each other. We've supported each other privately and publicly. I love the way she looks at the world. She started off her Instagram account making these very insightful and wise memes about life and the flow of life and evolving and growing and changing and Gabby has a way of putting things into a very simple and yet profound perspective. Gabby has produced numerous how-to guides on topics such as how to embrace your shape-shifting and ever-changing nature, things you can pretend to be when you feel uncentered and how to have a positive experience on Instagram. All of Gabby's life's work is devoted to developing a language with the invisible. I love this. I'm constantly trying to find ways to explain all of the range of human emotions and I think that what she does so beautifully is put words to non-tangible things. Feelings are non-tangible and she makes them feel well, she makes them feel like you can fucking feel them. She makes everything feel so tangible and the human experience is so vast and expanse. And she talks a lot about how words are inherently limiting because they're trying to give some kind of 2D explanation to something that just surpasses anything we could ever touch with our hands. I love the way this woman thinks. I think she's so incredible. Uh, Dazed Magazine wrote that Gabby debunks the myth that wellness is the preserve of the privileged and in doing so hands it back to the masses. I couldn't agree more. She makes all of these topics so so accessible, so understandable, so interesting, so engaging, and she's she's art herself. I love everything she does, and I'm sure you're going to fall in love with her after hearing what she has to say in this episode. I have so many fucking questions I want to ask you today, but first of all, I'm going to go right into my icebreaker questions that I ask all of my guests. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. What's one thing that sets your soul on fire? Being alone and inspired. Oof. Okay. <laughs> inspired creatively, inspired to write, inspired to do something. Any of those things. I think to me, inspiration always feels kind of the same where I'm just so grateful for life and so excited to live. It could really go anywhere. You know, it could be writing, it could be a romantic relationship. Like it's just, you're walking around and you're like, okay, like life's on my side today. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? Gorgeous. It's amazing. Okay. On to the next question. What's the last photo you took on your phone? I took a photo of where I am now, which is I'm staying in a hotel yeah. and the neighbor is like a 
it's like a Jewish synagogue and they're partying right now for Shabbat. And I just didn't know. And so I woke up this morning right when I was to meet with you and they were singing and it was beautiful and fun. But I was like, you know, doesn't work for a podcast recording. So I filled my bathroom with all the pillows in the whole hotel that I had, <laughs> closed the door and I took a photo and it's a good one. <laughs> I can't wait to see the BTS. Okay, on to the next question. <laughs> What's something that people frequently misunderstand or get wrong about you? Oh, that's a good one. I think people always think that because I always speak from my own experience that I'm like self-centered, but I'm like, that's the only way that I could explain things, right? It's like, I think with when yeah. you're writing and you use a lot of I statements, it's like, I'm like, I'm not talking about myself, you guys. I'm talking about something I saw that you can now see through me, Right. And so I get yeah, a lot of sharing yeah. online, you know, people are like, oh, you're just talking about yourself. I'm like, I'm really not, you know, I'm really not. Mm -hmm. uh, there's trying to tell a, a specific story here. So I think that's the big one, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> that that's so interesting because I, I, I constantly crave more of your perspective because it's so refreshing. Every single time you post Thank something you. on Instagram, because I know you have other platforms, but that's where I consume your content, sometimes on TikTok as well. But every single time you say something, I just go... <laughs> oh, she's so brilliant. <laughs> like every single thing. And it could be the most mundane thing that you're talking about. So yeah, I want more of you. Um, so some people just won't like that. And the people that are there for you <laughs> totally fucking will. The next question, finish the sentence. I'm still a work in progress when it comes to... Um, I think making peace with the body. I think I put okay. so much work into perception and mind stuff but when it comes to like oh getting a little sick or you know the older you get the more like little body things happen and you're mm. like whoa I can't eat this anymore and oh, yeah. I just like facing this reality that I am in control of a, a few things but I'm not in control of my body or death that's always going to be the ongoing I think oh, yes. conversation for me I often think that I think about death the happier I am and it's almost this like <laughs> I think it's um Brené Brown just uh, describes it as trying to beat vulnerability to the punch so the second you're extremely oh, yeah. happy it's like you're trying to beat vulnerability to the punch before you try and even enjoy this happiness thing. And she said that when she asked like a bunch of parents in her, she did this massive survey thing. The moment they said they experienced the most gut punching idea of death was when they were looking over their children in their cots because they had experienced wow. so much joy looking at their child. And then immediately mm. after would think about the worst possible things that can happen. Wow. Yeah, I found it so I do interesting. That. Yeah. I didn't know that was named. I do that all the time. Like I'll be like on a plane or I'm like proud of myself and I'll be like, okay, just kill me right now. <laughs> like I'll be like, you know, let's just like just end it here. I yeah. this has been good. Or like Yeah, it's I think about death immediately. Yeah, after a high. That's amazing. I love that that's universal. I have a jumper you sent me. It's this, one of the softest fucking jumpers I've ever had. And it says, I'm, so I'm constantly shape-shifting, adapting and evolving. I think that's it. No. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely it. it. Yeah. You got it. Perfect. <laughs> okay, gorgeous. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a philosophy? And can you talk about the inception of your account and what, one, what made you want to create it? Everything I do kind of almost starts from like in a defensive, almost annoyed standpoint. And I started the account okay. because I was just, I was 21 I just felt like there was so much. It honestly started about talking about love and romance and dating because I was 21, single in LA. And mm. I just felt like there was so much negativity and annoying memes about dating that were always centered around 
kind of like pleasing the man or, you know, everyone was always talking about text back. I didn't get a text back and all this stupid validation stuff. And I was just so tired of hearing it. And I was like, I want to be the person to say what my teen self needed to hear, which is a lot of this kind of transcendental stuff and just kind of these words and, and mantras that would help people not just get stuck in those cycles that are so easy to get in and that the internet supports, you know, the internet has so much content about just being so submissive and overdefined and there's not a lot of freedom um out there <laughs> but we have to remember our personal freedom i feel like we both have a similar origin story with that like i was i was definitely yeah. seeing content online and wondering what the fuck is this it's quite an entrepreneurial mindset it's like there's a gap i'll fill it <laughs> and it's but it's it was yeah. more of like it wasn't this business thing it was it's entrepreneurial in the sense that it's well this doesn't exist so let me create it i'm hearing this message in lots of other ways i'm not the first fucking person to say this stuff but I need to hear it in this voice that's the voice that it would resonate with me on and that's the kind of thing that I would have needed to hear at this moment in time so I feel like we both have a similar kind of origin story with that yeah yeah and the risk I mean the risk of saying something different even if it's positive Mm -hmm. also thrills me (laughs) you know like there's some things I really believe in and I'm like it's almost controversial even if it's good and I'm like I just want to say it and see who's thinking it because mm-hmm. like have you have you always had that in you like do you, do you have a story about where that came from or was that how you were raised did you have a moment in your life where something happened or I mean my dad is like a very spiritual and tough prideful Brazilian man and even when I was a little kid he always had me you know I was always standing up for myself standing up for my sister <laughs> and I enjoyed it I just was like don't fucking tell me I mean all day people try to dominate you and I'm just like yes. no. <laughs> yeah when you say you know? all day people try to dominate you what do you mean it's just everyone's telling you how to think it's so easy to get caught up in sort of mainstream narratives or forget your autonomy as like a spiritual being that came before all of this stuff mm-hmm. I always say like everything society is brand new like credit cards got popular in the 80s like politics everything is fresh and I'm like the thing that is new and that can never be taken away from you is just your general spiritual essence your autonomy your perceptive freedom like so I just think it's important I love a beautiful life. I love being surrounded by beautiful Mm. things. They don't have to be expensive. And I think for a while, I felt very guilty about having this romanticised outlook on the world. And something I fucking love about you is that you, I feel like you are the same in that regard, where you you capture these moments that some people can just miss. And it was um, maybe a month ago, I'm not sure when, you made this Instagram reel, where you were just filming your friend's hand movements when they were talking um, at this dinner party where your friends were saying all the wonderful things that they thought about each other and you were just filming their hands as they were talking. And it's just so many people would be in that room also and not witness the beauty of that. And that's why I love following you on Instagram because I feel like you do have this really gorgeous romantic uh, outlook on life and it's an absolute gift every time you share something like that. So I was wondering on that note, how you live a romanticized life and how, what's the purpose of living a romantic life and how and why do you live one? I think it's just the truth. Like, I don't even think it's an option. I think (laughs) anyone who doesn't feel that way has been a little bit scammed by kind of the like 
modern hustle a little bit. I just think it's the truth, just like how I think we all have a spirit is just a fact. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's just a fact. And, you know, like speaking of hands, like you talk with your hands so much and so beautifully, right? <laughs> yes. And I watch that and I, to me, it's just so everything is art because it's like your hands are doing something without your awareness and yeah. yet they completely <laughs> complement what you're saying. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? When someone says a statement where they kind of release something or let go of something, you know, they open their hand up and yeah. like release it. It's a, it's like a, it's like, it looks like they're spell casting, yes. but I just think everything is so symbolic. And what it comes down to with romanticization and art making is literally just about being in tune with symbols and the way you perceive symbols and things. You know, I always say that everything has two identities, what it is and what it symbolizes to you. Right. Okay your um, mug in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Factually, we have all the facts. It's a mug. It's a teacup. Yeah. It was made this way. It has this color. But to you, it symbolizes something so much deeper that I probably can't feel if I just picked it up, right? I always say when you have an issue with somebody that keeps going, just think about what mm-hmm. you symbolize to them, right? Get out of the personal and be like, what do I symbolize to this person, you know? Yeah. And I just think we're, our life is run by symbols. Art is defined by symbols. And I think romanticizing is really just about symbolizing and making everything a medium, you know, everything is a medium, Mm. you know, you don't have to pick up a paintbrush or write a book to be creative. Everything is creative. Talking about the romance and romanticizing everything and what Mm -hmm. it means to people, you make me feel like it's not only okay, but one of the most beautiful things in life to be a romantic person and also know yourself. I thought the two couldn't coexist, Mm -hmm. especially as a massive feminist. Like I also made my identity of being a feminist for so long that I kind of forgot what it meant to be just a woman who is existing as a fully Mm. complex emotional human being um, and as someone who is allowed to want love and someone who's allowed to desire romance. Um, And what I love about your work is that you talk about romance in this really beautiful way and in that it's so essential to life. You made this TikTok Mm. where it said something like, I refuse to participate in a love that is not entirely the romance of my dreams. And I had that in my head and I give it to my friends all the time where where I, I say to them, are they offering you the romance of your dreams? No, then then fucking it's not worth it. I feel like you're someone that just really knows themselves and can talk about spirituality and accountability with your own healing journey and even learning about yourself and being careful of other people and still just desiring romance. And I think it's such a beautiful part of life. I had this shift a few years ago where I was like the number one thing that's attractive to me about someone or maybe the second thing after Mm. their general beingness is (laughs) if they're willing to participate in the like abundant, beautiful, sexy fantasy of romance that I'm looking for. Yes. And so I got to this point where I literally lost, I started to just lose attraction for people that weren't giving me that energy because I was like, that's the whole point, you know? And I think a lot of us can get into these cycles where we fall for someone, we get a crush on somebody and they become like a validation dispenser to us. Like we're like, (laughs) okay, this person is so cool. And if they think I'm cool and they text me in five minutes or less and they want to see me, then that means I'm cool too. Mm. And we don't even realize we're doing it. And it's actually bad for both parties. It's rude to the person you're dating because you're not actually seeing them. And it's rude to yourself because you're not opening yourself up to like the actual magic, right? And so I got very vigilant where I was like, I only want people who like, 
you know, I could text them and be like, let's take a long walk with a bottle of wine, you know, and they're down, you know, they're not yes. like, uh, actually, like, maybe uh, we should just uh, have dinner in like five weeks. Like, I'm just like, who has the time, yes. baby? Like, And someone who doesn't <laughs> shame, someone who doesn't shame those very romanticized coming of age movie style moments that you want to have for yourself. Yeah. You know, there's so many mundane human interactions all day. Like you want to be so boring. I, I just lose attraction for people who don't have that taste. You know, it's like, yeah, we know we all want it. Quit playing. <laughs> we all deserve it. You have this way of making complex things seem so simple, but that's, it's such a big skill to be able to do that. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what I want, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. It's all about, I think spirituality is all about simplifying things, really, in the end, you know? Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your definition of spirituality as well, because we're talking a lot about it, and it can mean so many different things to so many different people. What does it mean to you? I think spirit has a hand in everything in this world at all times, and I think the way to connect with it and feel spiritual is literally just contemplating and being in awareness of all the invisible things in the world, right? And that could be anything from love, which is an invisible force, right? We think about it all the time, mm. yet we could never see it, hold it, touch it, calculate it, love, memories, all it. these things that guide life, ideas. Yeah, we can't, and we spend our whole lives, every artist, every writer is trying to describe love, you know, yeah. <laughs> ideas that are swimming in your brain and you haven't made them yet, um, opinions, all of these things in life, you know, and it could be anything from love and memories or just having an idea for a tweet <laughs> to be a spiritual yes. to, you know, feeling connected to a dead grandparent or something more spooky like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think spirit to me is everything that's invisible. You can only feel it, right? Yeah. Have you ever had any experiences that led you to some kind of spiritual breakthrough or something that made you, I know you said that your dad was very spiritual, spiritual, um, growing up, but how have you held on to that? And do you feel like you have any bursts of moments of spirituality? I think one of the biggest lessons, both in a hard way and in a beautiful way was when I got really into witchcraft when mm -hmm. I was in my early twenties, because my dad is very involved with like Brazilian spiritism, which has witchy components. Like when I was growing up, if there was a guest that was staying too long, my dad would put a pair of open scissors behind the door and they would leave. <laughs> I had a, I had a chant, uh, to a chant that I would say to this. I still use it always works to like the spirit kids <laughs> who hide your things. If you lose yeah. something, they say it's like the little ghost children. <laughs> and so I always had this like witchiness in my house, but I got really into like more like pagan witchcraft in my early twenties. And that was just like a crash course and everything. And as someone who, as I said, is just really into like symbols and mediums and very physicality, right? Like I love hands. I love hands-on learning. Like I love like things mm -hmm. that are in my hands and objects and, and seeing what they mean. Um, witchcraft gave me an opportunity to really explore that world because it's all about objects. You know what I mean? There's like altars and, and recipes. And I, that really just helped me see everything as spiritual. Now I'm like, everything is an altar. You know, when you are around a circle with your friends, it's like a human altar, you know, oh, yes. the way that in your hotel, the messy, there's always that messy table that you end up throwing stuff on, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, that's the altar to the experience. And it just made me more, I don't know, more aware about how the physical can be so spiritual, mm -hmm. I think. I that love the way you think about things. I love that so much. Like the messy hotel <laughs> table being an altar. What would you, what would you say an it. altar is? It's, a focused like honoring of a moment, you know, and it could be 
on accident and then the focus comes after like the messy table mm-hmm. and you look at it and you're like, oh, that's funny. Like there's my receipt from this and there's my rings I threw on the table and yes. um, there's that thing I never ate, you know, and it's kind of becomes this like, it just like honors that moment and it honors you and it's almost a portrait of yourself, you know, like an altar is always an honoring to someone or a season or yourself or a feeling or a desire, you know, yeah. and it's an objects, you know, and I think I I am a very visual object person. So for me, that really clicks, you know, mm. seeing things and, and thinking about I what they symbolize. That. So. I'm just thinking of things that I've counted as altars now, realize, like from your definition of it and what you said <laughs> about the hotel room. One of my favorite altars is like the sofa, the morning after sex with someone. So like you have the oh, cushion amazing. spewed everywhere the knickers, the jewelry that was taken off. And that is such a a cinematic, gorgeous altar. Or like you said, after having dinner with friends, the plates left on the table afterwards. It's that after scene that makes me really excited. Totally. And it's that really annoying thing, isn't it? When, When people ask you, how do you be happy? How do you be grateful? How do you be confident? And it's the tiniest, most mundane things. And I can never really explain to people how I'm able to find joy in such small and mundane rituals and things and habits but that is where I find the joy do you find joy in those moments as well yeah absolutely I'm like against all odds I'm like there's so much there really is so much to be hurt by there's so much you know I feel like it's radical to love the little things I think that's the most radical thing you can do because Mm. you're giving joy to yourself and others and the world you know what I mean to wake up like you said and see the morning after scene and be like oh life is just special (laughs) you know it's like against all fucking odds dude like life can be so dark like we could it's so easy to be a nihilist it's like so easy right it's so easy to Mm -hmm. just be like everything shit and death and I feel filled with pride when I'm able to be grateful, be happy for just these little things, you know? And I also think it's very anti-capitalist, to be Mm. honest. I think it's one of the most anti-capitalist things you can do is say, okay, well, the world is telling me that to be happy, I need to be this, you know, especially in LA, this, uh, you know, BMW having beautiful, (laughs) super fit, like all these things are being sold to me as happiness, right? And it's like, that's cute. Like, you know, keep running that shit, but I'm going to be over here. Yeah, I'm going to be over here autonomously choosing what makes me happy, you know, because back to symbols. Exactly, right? LA says, hey, this really nice car and this really specific bag is a symbol of happiness and success, (laughs) right? And I'm like, that's all you, baby. Like, that's not taking me anywhere, right? Yeah. You know? So maybe it's it's about (laughs) changing the symbols or what what those things mean Changing the symbols, period, yes. (laughs) I was about to ask you, do you ever find yourself questioning your happiness when it's mm. in comparison to, to other people living this way? Because I, I know what makes me happy, but then when I see other people have certain things in the industry, like you were saying about the influences or about even just being a certain age, I so f- m- using me as an example, I'm 23 years old. I don't like going out and getting absolutely hammered all the time. So so maybe like <laughs> once or twice a year, like New Year's Eve, I can get so Same. drunk and have the best time because I'm surrounded by people I love. Um, and I love a drink. I love a cocktail. I love if it feels intentional, it feels like a good time. But I don't really like mm-hmm. to go out and do that stuff. And then I hear about friends who are doing that, staying up till really late and doing all of this stuff. And I question my own idea of fun and whether I am actually, I feel guilty for not enjoying that kind of stuff. I feel like my idea of what makes me happy 
sometimes I end up questioning my happiness because I'm like, am I supposed to feel happy with this, with this stuff? Yeah. No, I think much going back to the symbol thing is I think the best way to relate it to this is like, I think if you imagine like a car that has to take you somewhere and that's the symbol, right? So you look at the car and you're like, oh, that's the car that I get into to go feel fun or feel successful or feel happy, right? But we all have different cars that get us places and they're also going to change throughout our life, right? Mm. So let's say you look at your friends and for them having so much fun is getting drunk every weekend and you look on Instagram and it just looks like they're really having fun. (laughs) And it's like, but that's their car to get into. If you got into that car to get there, it wouldn't work for you at this time. And you know what you really need. You know, you will be more satisfied and held by maybe a tea night with your close closest friends in this moment. Right. And so I see that as like with the car, it's like everyone has their vehicles and not, no one's is better than the other, but just make sure you're getting in the right vehicle and not convincing yourself that you have someone else's life or perception, you know, even if it looks so good on the outside. But yeah, I do think people get skeptical that that can be triggering for people when people see someone who's so kind of in their pleasure and in their ease or trying to always be in that place. I do think it can be triggering. Um, And I can understand it because it used to be triggering for me, (laughs) you know, to see people before I kind of was really aiming to know myself better. It was triggering to see people that were just so like, life is easy. And I was like, no, it's not, you know, but deep down, it's like, why not? That's what we all want. Why not try? Try as much as we can. It's definitely stopped me from sharing a lot of my life online, I think. Um, I, I did a whole yeah. episode on Evil Eye and Envy um, with ContraPoints oh, on this season. And yeah, she's so amazing. I love her so much. And cancel culture and how so many people are um, using morals to kind of justify their envy of other people's happiness. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think about that all the time. No, yes. the privilege, like the thing about privilege is it began as such a wonderful perceptive conversation to understand how the world works. I was like, great, we're talking about this. This is good. Uh, I also want to say I'm someone, my parents are both immigrants. I grew up with no money at all under the poverty line. I'm still trying to get my mom good insurance. So when people tried to throw that back at me, when I started doing well on Instagram and I was Mm. just on Instagram, I just was good at taking photos. But even when I didn't have money, I was still people were coming to me and being like, oh, you're so happy and spiritual because you're rich probably, or you probably have a trust fund. Mm. And the concept of privilege went out of this world of like a very important conversation to have to just a way to shame ease and any semblance of it without even knowing the facts, right? And I always felt that my background is what helped me achieve ease because I know how hard things can be, right? In my life, it was like my mom came home with some dessert and the whole house would rejoice, right? I still have that in me and I never want to forget it. You know, she'd be like, oh, there's a cake. And I'd be like, what a cake? (laughs) We got a chocolate cake. Um, And I still have that joy in me and it's never left. And I want to keep it as forever because that's what makes life so peaceful. But with that being said, that's just an example of how the, especially the online conversation with cancel culture. It's like people see a happy person or see someone who got a new jacket they really love and they'll be like, oh, you're, that's a privileged trust fund influencer. I could never be happy because I don't have the means. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a living yes. embodiment of how that's not true. And I don't think that shaming yeah. ease is productive. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. 
Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed with mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. We've been talking a lot about the romantic side of life and everything, Mm -hmm. but there's so much about heartbreak in your book, tips on heartbreak, how to heal from Mm -hmm. heartbreak and everything. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about heartbreak and how that's inspired some of your work? Because I think nothing is more powerful, beautiful, incredible than a woman after a heartbreak. It's it's, it's, it's self-destroying, but also very powerful. So much happens. It's such a potent time. All the songs are about you. Like heartbreak mm-hmm. is can be so like you won't be happy, but you can really respect the dimension of it, you know, like just the dimension of heartbreak. It's like it puts you in this whole world. Um, I think, and this is also how the book is structured, is I just feel like heartbreak and romance was kind of my first like experiences in just wow, there's all these invisible things that I can't control and all I can do is feel them and perceive them and try to manipulate them to my benefit, you know, like Mm. change your perception, make things better, romanticize it, whatever. And I had one of the worst heartbreaks of my life when I was like 23. It was like out of nowhere, crazy, so painful. I was so depressed. I turned into just this like potato that would watch like reality TV Mm -hmm. and sleep like as much as I could. And it was that where I wrote the heartbreak guide because I got up one day and I was like, I'm not going to just, I can't just like wait. Like I have to take active steps to like heal this, you know? And I think heartbreak is one of the biggest blows because there's so many relationships in our lives that when they end or someone passes away, it's, there's full of so much grief, but I feel like love with a, a romantic love with a person, it's like, there's a spiritual connection. There's a body connection you know, there's like Mm. the aspect of your bodies touching each other, like nonstop for like years sometimes. And then when that's gone, it's like so jarring to like every aspect of your, like your body, your mind, your soul, like everything's affected and it can be so profound. Um, But yeah, one of the, my favorite chapters, of course, in the book is the heartbreak guide. And my dream is that just like people all around the world just give it to their heartbroken friends and like mark that chapter and say like mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yes like and passing I on like the just read this guide. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like just take this it'll help you because it's just based on like a really dark time but I think what's interesting about the heartbreak guide is that advice in there I'm like oh if you take out the heartbreak aspect it also works as just existential advice and I'm like that's just a reflection of what heartbreak is like it's really just mm-hmm. this this medium to like, I don't know, like accept death and like uh, everything. It's crazy. Do you have any enlightening perspective on heartbreak that you can share from the book or something new or anything to anyone who's going through it right now? I think the biggest takeaway I can have is that sometimes we would rather be in the heartbreak because we're still connected to that person through that pain. You know what I mean? Like you'd rather hate somebody, think about them every day with hatred and want to write these paragraphs to them than not have them at all. And I feel like that was one of the most profound experiences for me where I was like, I'm still holding on to this person, but in this way that's so toxic and rotten for myself. And I was like, the second you say, well, you know what? It's over. It's done. They're not in my life anymore. I can't have them in a joyous way. And I'm not going to hold on to them in this 
terrible way, you know, in this dark yeah. way. It's like that's when I think healing comes. It's like the stages of grief, isn't it? One of them's bargaining. And it's almost like by talking mm-hmm. about the person, by writing out these messages, you're still in that bargaining phase of wanting to be connected totally. to the person. Because to let go entirely yes. would mean to meet a new version of yourself. Absolutely. So uh Gabby, you made an Instagram post that I sent to a friend who was going through it with a guy, um, where mm. you said Every girl thinks that they're too much until they're realizing that their body is begging them to pull their heart into their art instead of a boy. Your intensity is for your work. Boys are to eat with and cuddle after a passionate episode alone in your studio. I fucking love it so much. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. And it's my my friend also, Uh, she's an artist and whatever. And I was, and she, she already mm. knew, she knew this. I feel like uh, with a lot of the stuff we put out on social media, we, the girls already know they just need to hear it and it's like yes. a lot of the time we're looking for confirmations of our intuition that's a really good way to say that confirming your intuition absolutely because I think the best things that you read you don't think um, oh wow they just taught me something I've never heard before you think wow they put words to a feeling I had like that's that's such a profound experience too you know like we walk around thinking yeah. we download information and I'm like no we kind of just find the words of feelings it's fantastic <laughs> okay gabby my listeners have been in touch with some questions can you give me a hand answering them absolutely okay question number one hi floss and gabby my boyfriend broke up with me over six months ago now and i just can't get over it i've tried so many things from dating other people to trying new hobbies and i still feel this big void in my heart do you have any advice on how to help? It feels like this heartbreak will never go away. I feel like that's a perfect segue from what we've just been talking about. <laughs> like Gabby said just a minute ago um, about allowing yourself to be within that dimension, I like to indulge in heartbreak. I love to indulge in it mm-hmm. for a little bit. I personally feel like you have you have to listen to all the songs. You have to make the, the sad playlists. Um, you have mm-hmm. to indulge in all those feelings and then you have to stop. And you have to choose that time to stop. Mm-hmm. And also that that doesn't also mean that all of the grieving is done and over. It just means that mm-hmm. that period where it is consuming your life and you're allowing yourself to be consumed by it and you're not lying to people about being over it is going to be so mm-hmm. helpful for you. Yeah, and I would add don't attest every low moment to the heartbreak. And basically I think we get in this pattern where we think every time we feel bad, we think about the last heartbreak we had and we blame it on that. But the thing I really feel is... <sighs> Like dating and having a disappointing date or not feeling that spark with someone is always going to make you think about the last person who gave you that spark. And it might not mean that you're still hung up on the heartbreak. It could just mean that that's your reference point for the opposite of what you're feeling now. But in reality, is there a way where you can just sit with that emotion and be like, hey, that date was not that good. I miss when I was having crazy passionate sex with someone that I loved, you know? Yeah. But it has nothing to do with that person. I just know what I'm still looking for. And the reality is sometimes you won't get over someone until that role has been filled again of someone who actually does spark you. But it, it, I feel like it less has to do with grieving the heartbreak and more with just making them the symbol, you know, making them the symbol of whatever pain you're feeling, which is probably more mundane, you Mm -hmm. know? Just on on the six months thing, there's no time limit. It's taken me so long to get over the most 
well, what I would consider silly things. Like it's it's mm-hmm. years sometimes. And then sometimes it's like two days. Sometimes you grieve a relationship while you're fucking in it. And then it, it, people are mm. so surprised that you moved on the next day. And it's because you'd already broken up with this person in the relationship. Oh, yeah, in There's so uh. many different ways that people <laughs> grieve. Yeah, right. There's so many different ways yeah, that you can grieve one. and mourn a relationship. Um, and so don't judge yourself on the time scale as well. Okay. Yeah. On to the next question. Hi, Floss and Gabby. I'm really struggling with finding inner happiness in myself. I have waves of it and then one slight blow, for example, a comment about my parents or future plans for my life, and my head goes into a total downward spiral. How do you deflect bad energy and comments from others? I honestly, I think it just takes practice. I think the first step is you being able to define it and say it and be like, I know that I'm in this pattern of like, you just take blows so hard. And I can be the same. I think it's a sensitivity thing. If you're sensitive, your highs will be high and your lows will be low. And when someone says something to you, your whole body will feel it. And it really, honestly, it just takes practice. Like I started my entire internet journey exactly with this question that you have when Mm. I was 20, 21. And I was like, I take things so hard and I don't want to. I want to be more buoyant. I want to be more flexible, you know? And I will say whatever, seven years later, and all the efforts I put gave me rewards. You'll never solve a problem like that. You'll never be in a perfect state of grace, but all the steps that you give yourself, which really just takes awareness, right? Remember the something that always helps me is, let's say someone makes a comment to me that's just very hurtful or, mm-hmm. you know, takes my spirit away and I'll think, okay, when was the last time, or I get rejected? Rejection's a good one. And yeah. I think, when was the last time I was rejected? Or when was the last time someone was rude to me? And how did I react? Did it help me or did it hurt me? And you go back to that past person and you can change history. That's my favorite tactic. <laughs> so the next time someone, you have that feeling, just be like, okay, last time I did this. What did I do? Did I regret that or was I happy with it? What can I do differently? You know, And maybe the version of you now can say, oh, you know, I should just go take a bath without my phone (laughs) and just put on my favorite songs and just relax. Because last time I yelled at somebody and I was not proud of that, you know? Yeah. And just it's, it can be very, yeah, calculating in a good way. (laughs) Oh, such a breath of fucking fresh air. I mean it when, when I, throughout this whole episode, I've been gushing to Gabby about herself. Her Instagram account at SciSwoon is so incredible. It's so divine. I think her way of looking at the world and life is just so beautiful. If you follow anyone on Instagram today, make it Gabby. Like I said before, her handle is at SciSwoon. You should all go check out her book, Notes on Shapeshifting. It's just as incredible as she is. Uh, it's, it's wonderful and it's quite skinny. You can just fit it inside your bag. You can just pop it into your tote bag and take it around with you and pick it up whenever you need something, some kind of advice. And it's not all about heartbreak. It's got so many beautiful little poems in there stuff about growing, stuff about evolving, stuff about life, just her general little insights. It's like carrying a Gabby around with you. She's incredible. Definitely go check it out. To keep updated with all of the latest episodes as they drop, you can follow exactly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember, we want to hear from you. Every month, we'll be taking your calls, your texts, and your voice notes for our call-in episode. We'll be discussing topics around money, relationships, queerness, body image, all kinds of stuff. If you'd like to ask a question or speak to my guest and I, please get in touch on WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven eight nine zero three zero two six six five. 
And don't forget you can join me every week for Ask Floss where I answer all of your questions from building confidence with your body hair to setting relationship boundaries and even my preference on cats or dogs. It's cats. Subscribe to Extra Floss to listen right now. Visit extrafloss.com to start your free trial and get access wherever you listen to your podcasts or you can visit exactly on Apple Podcasts and hit try free at the top of the page. And a massive thank you to the incredible Black Honey who composed the original theme music for the show. They're fucking amazing. You can find them on Instagram at at BlackHoneyUK and you can check out their latest album written and directed. This is a Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment production. My producer is Millie Charles, assistant producer is Ella McLeod, executive producer is Carly Mayo, and the production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And I want to give a special thanks to Chris Skinner, Jonathan Imieri, Ryan O'Meara and Teddy Riley for additional production and thanks to our engineers Jay Beale, Josh Gibbs and Gulliver Tickle.